podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We call whistle, and this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need robbing, stealing, or mugging. In fact, we'll take it seriously. We're only bugging. Hello, welcome to the Whistleblowers Podcast. This is uh, a weekly podcast, all about football. Would you believe? Not about uh, not about whistleblowers. Not about Julian Assange et al. Uh, no, about football. It's a preview show, ostensibly. Uh, we'll talk about all sorts, though. Uh, Martin Gritton is here with me. So is Gareth Dobson. Martin, you were at West Ham, Man City last night in the Carabao Cup. Any uh, any any views on that? Any any feedback you want to give us? Incredible night, Mark. Absolutely delighted. I, and my beloved Man City, it was hard to see them go down to um, the behemoth that is West Ham, you know, the, the machine. Well, just looking the, before the game, the preamble stuff was obviously all about City just being, you know, unbeatable in this competition. And the more that people said it, the more that it made me think that they were going to get beat that night until they announced their lineup, which was incredible. You know, they put a really strong side out. And then, um, you know, West Ham's team was kind of reflected more their kind of Europa team against Genk. It was a little bit weaker, but still had some decent players in it. But I, I feared the worst. And then, you know, as the game went on, you just had the feeling that it was it was going to be West Ham's night. But the penalties were sensational. The place was rocking because it was a full house. And then, yeah, it was generally a, a great night. And, and it gave me a little bit of faith in the Carabao Cup again. What do you mean again? We love the Carabao Cup on this show, don't we? It's, it's, it's a really fun show. Gareth Dobson, you're nodding along there. You're a fan of the Carabao, aren't you? It seems like a more sort of mad tournament than 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 maybe the FA Cup is these days. Totally, and it's nice and compact. It's over before the uh, you know the daffodils are up, and it, it, it's always quite fun. You know, it's, it's bang, bang, bang. No replays, none of that nonsense. It's and you know the only issue for the last decade is that Man City always won it, and now thanks to West Ham, and that's a phrase I do not use very often, that is, that's not going to happen. So I think all the teams left in it going to quarterfinals will be very excited. Yeah, Man City out the Man City Cup. Uh, and you've got to have West Ham up there as one of the favourites now, I think. I think on a on a one-off game, West Ham have got the ability, and it looks like they've got more depth in the squad than we thought they did, to actually challenge for a trophy this year. Haven't they, Gareth? I mean, Ed, honestly, what an amazing seven days for them, you know, to, to win in... In the Europa League, it looks so good to, to you know to win another London derby against Spurs and then to go to the quarterfinals and knock out City. You know they will be feeling themselves, as as the phrase goes, and and deservedly so. You know they're such a brilliant, cohesive unit. Um, any team who turns up who's basically not on their metal is probably going to get turned over at this point. Yeah, and that was without Rice last night as well, wasn't it? Yeah. So um, I mean that 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 must yeah. that's that says a lot that. I think we'd probably all agree. Maybe not, but I would imagine we'd think Rice is the best player in that team. No, Antonio, no. And Bowen came on, had a great impact. I think uh, the problem West Ham have got is now they've got an extra game in December and then potentially an extra couple of games in January, but just when you don't really need them. Because before the game, they were talking about City's run in December, which is ominous, which all their games are either at home or against Manchester teams. They don't have to go anywhere. They've got no Champions League. They could really make a yeah, dent yeah. in the Premier League. And to be honest, without the distraction of the Carabao, I, I think they probably won that enough to not be too worried about that. Their fo- focus can be elsewhere. Yeah, so I'd be really interested to see how that pans out. But for West Ham, extra games, a lot of home games again. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a challenging month. But, but Grits, as a Grits, as an ex-pro, yes, these extra games, physically demanding, 
whatever, they're coming thick and fast. But when it's a cup game, a knockout game, where you've got an opportunity to maybe get to a final, maybe win something, does that give you that little bit of extra impetus, that little extra 5% of energy that you wouldn't have otherwise for that for that extra game they're going to have? Yeah, interesting. It depends, doesn't it? I mean, I wouldn't have said the last 16 would have been, I think just playing against Man City was a nice one for them, but also playing in front of a full house is great. It's half-term, you've got about 10,000 kid tickets last night, and you got that probably across the country. There's probably a lot of... Um, yeah. new fans that people were bringing to these games and that's an op- that's, that's one thing that the Carabao probably does um, does bring to clubs that, you know, a potential new fan base. So um, there's that element of it in terms of players. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the players should be able to get up for these games but I think fundamentally, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I think the, the you're playing at that standard is, is kind of reward enough. It's more a case of they've had four clean sheets on the spin. You're getting into a territory where it's almost like autonomous now for some of these players because they're playing so regularly. Yeah. I think that's the thing you get into a routine. I think the, the big problems are when you're losing and you've got no sight of a victory. So that might bring us nicely on to my other tip for the top uh, Norwich last week. Oh, that was a. What were your words last week about Norwich, Chris? What did you say about? We're them? going to start winning soon, but I did caveat yeah. with let's rule out the Chelsea not, game. Not this weekend, you said. Yeah, not to be fair. Weekend. Uh, Gareth Spurs, your team, they're also through in the Carabao Cup, beating Burnley away last night. In what? That's a tricky game. That is a tricky game. Um, first of all, tell me how you're feeling about that. Secondly, tell me how that bodes for you for this weekend coming up in that big sack race derby. In, in the, the, the the who cares less uh, uh, big classico. It <laughs> so winning is you know it should be a Philip and it should you know put Spurs in good stead, but. Um, every time Spurs have won the season since the opening day against City, it's always felt slightly unconvincing and they haven't necessarily kind of parlayed that into a good performance in the next game. It seems like they're just as likely to lose, you know, the next game as they are to win it. Although interestingly, they appear to uh, have only lost to teams in London this season. So perhaps, you know, simply put, that means they'll they'll beat uh, Man United and turn them over. We will see. But I suspect it doesn't mean too much. It was it was a bit of a rotated team. He did play, you know, some of the stronger elements. People like Harry Kane were playing, but it it it, it you know it is going to be the reaction game. Who's going to react better to to the previous weekend's issue and and the longer season long malaise they're both in? And for me, the interesting thing is which players actually want to be managed by by the manager they have. My suspicion is I I, I do think the Man United players aren't necessarily that convinced by Solskjaer. Um, as much as they might say, oh, he's a good guy and so forth, they do appear to just be dipping in form over and over again now. It's like it's like they are steadily losing belief that he can actually coach them through a game. Um, I don't know what the temperatures are expressed in terms of Nuno. He's another manager, I think, that players like and they respect. Do, do you think it's a genuine... I mean, reading everything in the press since the Liverpool game, and actually probably a couple of weeks before that game, there does seem to be a genuine risk here that Solskjaer could go in the next two or three games. Do you think there's that similar risk for Nuno, or do you think he's got a bit more time? Has he, has he got, by virtue of him being there for such a short space of time so far, has he got a bit of goodwill in the bank still? Or do you, as a Spurs fan, see him as being at risk? I guess it, it, it's hard to tell because with you know Pochettino and Mourinho both went mid-season, which... You know, I I think both times it was... But it's October, Gareth. It's October. Pochettino went in October when he went. You know, it happened very, very quickly. And obviously it was something that, you know, Levy regretted not doing in the summer. I think he planned to do it in the summer and then held on and changed his mind. The 
you know, there is this constant rumour that, or not even a rumour, it's fairly clear that, um, you know, Nuno was not first choice. And if Levy has the same buyer's remorse, maybe something happens. But I, I would be really surprised because if, if the chairman, if the club really look at things objectively and say, you know, will changing the manager improve the team's situation? The answer is probably not. I, you know, the the defence probably isn't good enough, certainly central defence. And central midfield is, is, is just massively imbalanced. And I don't think that changes till the summer when, you know, they're going to have to go and do some very judicious shopping in the market. There's a world where a, a base of Oliver Skip and, and, Ho- and Hoiberg does work but I don't think it's in this iteration of the team I, I think what they're trying to protect behind them is too too shambolic and too rickety you know Davison Sanchez hasn't played well for a couple of years Eric Dyer is has just regressed and regressed um, and they're hoping that Romero can come in and fix a lot of problems and he's had some promising games he still looks like he's adapting to the Premier League which is not surprising but I think basically I don't think that sacking Spurs' current manager would really change too much. I don't know who would come in and replace him, who would improve things. Whereas with Manchester United, there is a suspicion that if you go and bring in a different manager, you could see a massive uptick and they could go and put on a huge amount of wins. Well, that's right, isn't it? Grits, United's squad. I mean, first of all, Grits, from, from the outside looking in, Gareth's a Spurs fan. He's too close to this case. He can't, he can't give us a proper read on it. But from the outside looking in, Gritz, do you think Nuno's at risk? Do you think there's a chance he goes before Christmas? Do you think there's a chance he goes after this weekend? Oh, there's a chance he can go before Christmas, but I don't think there's a chance he goes now. I think he's in sixth place. I don't think there's just still far. It's far too early, and you know, there's he, there's been promise, there's been flickers uh, from him, as Gareth suggests. There's, there's there is things in that team that that he can work with. There's things that obviously haven't progressed, uh, but that's not necessarily his fault. That's been over the last couple of seasons. Um, I can't say it's either. Ollie's in a completely different situation, yeah. isn't he? Because he's been found, he just looks as though he's been found out. You know, it's like he hasn't really got an answer for the press anymore. He's not really respected inside, outside the dressing room. And and the 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 fragile kind of world that Manchester United puts up around itself to protect itself just looks a bit it looks so false, doesn't it? I mean, their ex-players yes. getting panned for just not being objective. That's that's fine if you're on Man United TV. It's not fine if you're on Sky Sports, and it's it's certainly not fine if if you're you know if you're protecting him and it's to the detriment of the football club. So um, I think his his days are numbered, and I don't I just don't think he's got the best out. I mean, the best out of the players we spoke about it before. The, the key players that they brought in that desperately need some strategy, some structure, some you know just pattern of play um, you know Sancho being the, the key player there you know it, it shows you the ambition when they bring in your Ronaldo because they know why they were bringing in Ronaldo but it certainly wasn't for the benefit of the young players coming through you know they can try and no. spin that and say that that's you know oh he's got he's a good influence where has he been a good influence at what point has he developed any other player other than himself you know so um, there's that thing I mean but we're seeing the same happen you know other, other clubs when they're bringing people in and it's not quite working but um, you know, I think Ronaldo will be around for a season, but um, but yeah, I don't think Oli will. The the thing United have done, or what Oli's done differently this season, is is he's changed the way they want to play. Right, they were playing such counter attacking stuff in the last couple of seasons, and actually looked pretty good, particularly against the the top teams. They weren't conceding many, being very reactive, sitting deeper, and using that pace on the breaks. And it feels now as though he's sort of been bullied into playing a more front foot approach. And they haven't got the system to do it. I'm not really sure they've got the players to do it either. 
but he's been completely exposed this season. I don't think even if they'd kept on with the counter-attacking uh, um, tactics from last season and the season before, he'd have necessarily got any more out of the team this year. I think they're a worse team than they were last year. Um, and I do think it's, it's sort of... T- I think he's done a good job with them to a certain extent. He's done better than we thought he'd do. He's lasted a lot longer than we thought he would. Um, and they're in a better place now than when he took over. So, you know, if he was to leave, I don't think United fans would be... They would never look at him anything other than fondly, I don't think. Um, and now it's time. Now it's time to get a you know a proper guy in, and that's not a disrespectful thing to say, is it? Get get a grown up in the room. I mean, it's obviously massively disrespectful, but it probably, <laughs> probably the sentiment is probably fair. I mean, the I guess make him director question. of football. Genuinely, make him director of football. I don't understand make, why that's not being supporters. talked Make make him go in and shake hands with people before games in the hospitality boxes. He can run the fan him, zone. That's him. It'd be brilliant running the fan zone, the telling stories the about that night in Come Barcelona. On, that, that, one that, more time. that you can't call me disrespectful and say he should be on the fan zone. This is insane. <laughs> no, get him in the um, car park. Let fans throw sponges at him. <laughs> the time, the timing is really interesting though, because after this game. They in the in the league they have uh, Man City, then Watford, then Chelsea, um, and do they wait to you know lose two of those three after Spurs? I suspect Man United will beat Spurs. I think they're both. Of course you know, they will. <laughs> they're both underachieving they teams, and one underachieving team has more quality than the other. Um, but you know, if you wait to lose a couple of those and you essentially put yourself out of league contention and you spent all this money on a 36-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo, like, what's the point in throwing away your season and waiting for, for disaster before making a positive a positive change? So I'm sure the board will be looking out. Obviously, you know, the Champions League qualification is still in the balance. You know, they, they've won a couple, but, you know, progression isn't assured. So, and they will want to get to the, to the you know the knockout round after Christmas in, in in good stead. So yes, yeah. It's also worth pointing out that they've got a tough run of, of games coming up. We know that. We know that it's more likely they'll wait to the international break to give the next manager a, you know at least sort of a week or ten days or so to to work with whatever players are remaining there and just to bed in and get used to the place essentially. But after the, those uh, games you just mentioned, Gareth, ending with Chelsea, they've then got a much nicer run in which a new manager might come in and get a few points straight away. So I don't think you want to get a new manager and put him straight in away at Chelsea, for example, or you know something like that. You want him to have a run like this, for example. They've got a... Where are we? They've got... I've gone backwards. They've got Arsenal. Okay, that's not an easy one. But Palace, Norwich, Brentford, Brighton, Newcastle, Burnley. Any manager coming in with that run of fixtures will be rubbing their hands together thinking I've got these wonderful individual players. Here's an opportunity to get, you know, four or five wins out of six or whatever. So that's the timing I'm looking at. If it's going to happen, which surely it is going to happen, it's going to be, I think, in the next month, but not before that. Grits, do you think that makes any sense or have I just been talking bollocks? Yeah, it's got it's got to be. No, it's got to be. I think also the thing that you get the, the, from new manager bumpers, you get players that are actually stressed, slightly nervous about their position, slightly more... Uh, willing or the ones that have been out in the cold they've got a fair crack at it but you get a, a, a lot of more passionate defensive units you you get something that's a bit more um, cohesive and have a collective goal because at the minute he's got players that are invested not invested at that level just that tiny bit of lack of concentration costs them you look at a player like Maguire I mean I'm sure someone could turn Harry Maguire into the talisman that everyone wants him to be but at the minute he's well look at him for England he's, he's, a, he's a top class centre back there is no yeah. doubt he's a top class centre back but he's not there's no there's first, first of all there's no one in front of him protecting him Yeah. 
And secondly, yeah. they're not really dr- they don't seem to be drilled to me. There's no there's no organisation. But that's the, this is the other thing as well. The good managers, the good managers that I've played for, are the ones that you generally are never quite sure of. You're always a little bit afraid of them in terms of you might get dropped at any time, you might get loaned out, you might be out of favour, and also they're the ones that make training horrible. So like if you're not if you're asking about in training or you're not you're not doing well and you'll play against your reserves or your other team and they'll generally tear you apart. But sometimes managers, that's what you want in training. You want your first team to be constantly under duress. And I just look at some of those Man United players. I'm like, I can't care either way. You know, and I know that's that comfortable. That, yeah, it might be a bit harsh to say, but I don't can't see Solskjaer being the man out in the training ground. And even because even the play, managers and coaches under him, sorry, not managers, coaches under him, they're, they're still following his lead. So you can be a scary coach under him, but if, if I know that I'm playing for him, I don't care what the scary coach is shouting at me because I'm going to play for Solskjaer. So it's... Good stuff. Insight. Insight from an ex-pro. Well, uh, interestingly, I'd ask both your opinions on the, the, the thing that's been touted about this week about who's who can come in as a manager and people saying that it doesn't suit a big world-class manager or someone that come in. And, and, Only Gary Neville saying that. <laughs> Can I ask your, your opinion on who would be suitable to take Man United to the next level or just to take them back to anywhere near where they were? Mark, go first. Um, well, obviously the ones they're talking about at the moment. We'll just do this quickly, then we'll go to a break. Um, the ones that have been mooted so far, obviously Conte, uh, Ten Hag at, um, at Ajax. Zidane looks like he doesn't want to do it, and I don't think it'd be a good shout anyway. I don't think he's a particularly good manager. I just think he had an amazing squad of players, and, and he was a legend, and he could inspire them that way. Conte would be the one for me, I think. I know there's a lot of talk about how he only really plays sort of 3-5-2 and defensive, more defensive-minded football, which would go against the grain of what United have been trying to do um, and also would sort of negate their most talented players who are sort of wide players. In a, in a 3-4-3, you might get it, but in a 3-5-2, you don't really get it. You're not going to play Sancho as a wing-back. Um, so I'm not sure necessarily it's suited to how they want to play, but certainly he's the most... If there is such thing as a dead cert that's available, it's got to be him. Um, as exciting as Ten Hag is, we've seen people come in from different leagues like that and not quite be able to do it. And this next appointment for United can't be uh, a percentage one. It can't be someone who comes in and you know, might do it, might not. It's got to be someone who comes in and ultimately improves the team and improves them quickly. And there's a squad of players there that can cha- I believe can challenge. I think they're one player off and a manager off being able to genuinely get in that top two and really challenge. Um, Gareth, what are your thoughts? Just just keep it quick though, Gareth, yeah, for God's sake. In an ideal world, I'd love to see them uh, bring in a proper, like, young developing coach, you know, someone like Graham Potter. That would be very exciting. But realistically, a team like Man United, you assume will always default to that more sort of figurehead, almost CEO, sort of world-class or world-famous manager. The one who is almost the middle option is someone like Ten Hag who is a coach who has developed with Ajax and has kind of now got that sort of, you know, bigger reputation. So he would be super interesting. I, I wonder if they feel that their last Dutch uh, appointment didn't go so well and they'll be shied off that, but you never know. Never know. Right, let's go to a break uh, later than normal, uh, after which we'll talk about some of the other fixtures happening this weekend. Welcome back to the show, uh, Grits. Let's talk about Leicester versus Arsenal. Uh, Leicester seem to have hit a pretty nice run of form. And you know what? So have Arsenal. So this should be a good one, shouldn't it? 
Oh, it's always tasty. It's always a tasty game, this one, isn't it? I mean, ever since that sliding doors moment where Vardy should have joined Arsenal and never did, and then... Oh, Leicester Vardy will have... score against Arsenal, as he always yeah, does. that's what I mean. He's always... Been... And Leicester have always been better than Arsenal since that moment as well. So it's yeah, it's yeah. been particularly galling for them. Um, and I've enjoyed the way that Arsenal have bounced back, to be fair, because I think that, you know, it was one of those knee-jerk reactions early on. And they were doing so playing so badly, but to be able to pull it around gives you faith that some managers can you know, get it back together. I still don't think that the, the finished article, and I think a lot of players underperform, and I think that the general ethos at the place could be a lot better, and you know, the yeah. mentality could be a lot better, but we've said that about Arsenal for quite a few years now, ever since uh, Wenger left, so, or in, in his, you know, the end of days times with him as well. So, yeah, um, interesting one, but yeah, I'd love Leicester to do it, because you know me, and I love Brendan. <laughs> yeah, you mention it every other, what, week, day? My dad, my dad. Yeah, Rogers. it could be. Um, Gareth, uh, Arsenal are looking better, but I still feel as though they're nowhere near that top five, top six. Is that is that unfair to say? Given you're a Spurs fan, I can imagine your uh, your response here, but um, give it a whirl anyway. <laughs> I will. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're you know they're a, a demonstrable cut below you know the best the best four clubs in the league, which I think you know are pretty evident. It's, it's the standard ones now. Are, are, are they a cut below Leicester? Yeah, maybe on their very best day they can match them. Um, you know, over the course of the season, you would probably take Leicester, but it is you know when both teams are playing well, it's probably a fair fight. Um, you know, I know we mention them every week. The star of the show is probably T. Elements at the moment. He looks absolutely incredible and he is the player, you know, we're talking about Manchester United being one player away. He's that sort of player um, who could transform their midfield. So I think that, you know, Arsenal have looked a lot better. I mean, the game against Aston Villa last week, you know, Villa just were never really at the races. Um, Arsenal got into them, you know, quickly and early. As soon as they scored, it seemed like a, you know, a done deal. It'll, It'll be interesting to see how Arsenal line up Aubameyang has generally been starting but Lacazette came in uh, last weekend and did well and that usually involves shifting the team around a bit so it'll be interesting to see how that goes um, it, it it will be you know I think a lot of, a lot of it's always down to how Arsenal start and how they perform um, you know Leicester will be confident the, the one thing to note is that Vardy disappeared at half time didn't he at the weekend uh, yeah I think he, I think he did yeah but I mean Daka looks like a decent uh a decent and similar sort of player. Yeah, well, when he was brought in, it, it, people seem to assume he was brought in as a uh, you know a long term replacement for Vardy and to you know to push Vardy and maybe that's put a fire under Vardy because he started to play you know very well again. Whereas you know over the course of the last season or so, there's been patches where he does look like he's faded a bit, but then the moment you roll him out, he just he just roars back. So um, it's. I'm I'm excited to see what happens. It re- you know, and it, it's that early kickoff. It, it sets the tone for the weekend, and it should be a good one. Yeah, it should. It's worth pointing out as well that Leicester have had these good results um, without Wilfred Didi, who is such an important player for them. But shows how we mentioned this a few weeks ago. Grits Brendan Rodgers really, really prioritises that centre midfield, and he's brought in um, Sumare as well, so he's able to slot in. Play alongside Tillemans, play alongside Madison, and it's like I mean, indeed, he's one of the best holders in the, in the league, and they've missed him, and yet, you, you know, results have, if anything, got better. So that Leicester engine room is just so powerful and so impressive, and I just don't think Arsenal can match that. Yeah, the, the Harvey Barnes added to that that when you know when he's fully fit, their their threat from midfield, Tillemans 
just I like the way that he's been at that club. I mean, he's just slowly chalking up the games, isn't he? Over yeah, the yeah, you yeah. know over four seasons, he'll probably be up to he'll probably be up to two hundred near two hundred games. You'd be like, now there's a guy that's got that experience to maybe go push on to you know to to the next level. I know some players managed to do it in one or two seasons, but he's he felt young when he came in, and he was you know a player that was highly rated, and we've seen so many of those players like just fade and not be able to make the cut. You know, Van der Beek, uh, even De- Depe, uh, when he came to United and players that have just yeah, come yeah. in. And just so, I've really enjoyed watching him play, but he's just like the the fluid be- between them. Who was it? Was it Dembele uh, um, uh, uh, Spurs, Gareth? It was just like, Musa was just like, it's lovely to watch, uh, you know, towards the end of his career. I feel like Telemans is a young version of that, but perhaps slightly more dynamic going forward, you know, with a goal in him. So I know Dembele had it as well, but um, yeah. I mean, he, he uh, yeah, Dembele is a player who Spurs have basically never replaced him in field. At his peak, he was he was absolutely amazing. And yeah, I think Chelmans is quite a good a good comparison. He's probably like you said, got a bit more oomph going forward. Every goal that Chelmans scores seems to be a golden month contender, which is uh, which is, which is nice to see. But yeah, it's you know, I I think you always forget how much. Uh, a truly dynamic central midfielder can 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 change a team so quickly. Yeah, definitely. And also take the pressure off the back four. That's something that we, Leicester have always been lauded for having great defences, but you put a midfield in front of them that just takes the pressure off, plays higher up, got a good setter, um, that just, just absorbs some of that attack, breaks up things before it even gets to them and makes them look a lot better. So, um, yeah, Leicester's still got a really nice balance and they've they've always recruited well, haven't they? They seem to just be able oh, to bring unbelievable. in bring in the right players. Um yeah, so uh, that'd be a really interesting battle. Um, you know, I'd I I'd say I'll go I'll stick with my gut and I'll go go Leicester. But, but you know, interesting that Arsenal's second string swept away a Leeds technically a second string in the Carabao this week, but um but it was pretty effortless from them and um um, you know, and there's a few fringe players that got 90 minutes there. So Arsenal are kind of slowly building back a bit more competition in their squad, which... Yeah, but this happens... But Arsenal do this every few years. You go, oh, right, look, there's this players coming through that look really good. Then it gets to a point where it's sort of make or break for the players. And sad to say, it's happened quite a few times. It, yeah, it just they've chosen the break option. And, and you know, it's, it's not ideal. Um, but it only takes one generation of players coming up and coming up together and gelling and sticking together. And I'm looking at Smithrow, I'm looking at Saka. They've got some real talent in that squad. And uh, if they get the right man to lead them, I'm not sure it's Arteta, but for the time being, you know, he will suffice. If they get the right man longer term, I think they could be... Uh, it could be a decent side again. Uh, let's wait and see. Uh, you mentioned Leeds United there, Grits. They go to Norwich this weekend. Let's talk about this one because... You know a season's going bad for you when Derby County start trending because it's always, are they going to beat Derby's record of 11 points? I.e., are they going to get less than 11 points? This Norwich side, I don't, I, th- I don't think they'll get lower than 11 points, but I think they might be in with a shout at this current moment in time of being one of the less good teams, should we say, of the last decade in the Premier League. I am at the point now... Where I think, and this might be an extreme thing to to introduce to uh, English football, I think, listen to this, if you go down twice in a row from the Premier League, i.e. you go up, you go down, you go up, you come down again straight away, you're not allowed to enter the Premier League for three years, because it gives everyone else a chance in the championships to try and catch up, it means you're not going to waste our time doing this, and it also means that when you do go up, you have to make a change, you have to make a proper change on that second one, otherwise you're down for three years. And that change can be either spend a bit of money, fine, Norwich have done that, they've shown it's not that simple. 
But more importantly, it can be getting together a team, a squad, a style of play, a manager who understands the Premier League a bit more than what we're seeing with Farker at the minute. Because they've done it two or three times now where they've come up and they've had no change in their plan from what they had in the in the championship. Now, I know, we all know it's very hard to go up and stay up. We know it's really hard to do that. But it's not completely anomalous. We've seen it this year with Brentford. So last year with Leeds. year before with Sheffield United. They came up, they did something different, they stayed up. I think it's time genuinely to do something about this. Because at the minute, you've got teams like Norwich who go down, take the parachute payments, and you see the rest of the championship clubs bankrupt themselves trying to keep up with them. So I think it's, it has terrible knock-on effects. Um, I don't know if any of you can hear me. I've had no response so far. Uh, but I, I feel like I'm just shouting I'm at my pillow again. It's amazing. I, I, it's amazing because you, you touched upon a few reasons why I, I think Farker does have an, a very big um, case to answer about why he hasn't learnt from his previous tenure because it should still be fr- that fresh horror in the memory, you know, um, but at the same time, he has tried to spend and they, they, they haven't come off yep. from, and they've been but that's so, what I'm saying. But that's what I'm so saying is it's got to be a, a change rather than just, just spending proves it's, you can't just spend. That's not what it is. You've got to do something else. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see. I, this is a pivotal match. Gareth, I'll let you, I'll let you come in there. You've got some uh, sage <laughs> no, advice. It, it, it's, it, it's really interesting. You know, the, the different strategies that clubs take, it's so, the, the best comparison is someone like West Brom, you know, the, 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 who went up, down, up, down, up, down. If you were to be critical, you would say they were happy to take their 50, 60, 80 million, however much it went by each season. Every time they went straight back up after being relegated, if you were to be, if you were to praise them, you say they always lived within their means. They never bankrupted the club. They bought these incredibly boring, sensible footballers and these incredibly dour, sensible managers. So it depends, you know, the two sides of, of a coin. You know, do you criticise them for not pushing the boat out or do you praise them for, you know, being relatively pragmatic and sensible? I criticise I criticize them for not trying something different. Right. That's what or I'm criticising them for. Do something to... else. You've, you've shown, that's insanity, isn't it? They're trying the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, and it's not happening. It's not going to change all of a sudden. It's not going to suddenly ask, work. Ask, ask a Fulham fan if it worked for them the last two times they came up and they bought an entire squad each time and you know, they bought all these sort of slightly exciting-looking, wispy players. Or Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. I, I haven't made myself clear enough here, Gareth. What I mean is the way in which... Teams like Norwich are going down. They're going down without a fight. When Fulham right. came up last season, they did try to do different things. And for a big chunk of last season, they were pretty good. They were competitive. Yeah, they signed a lot of good players. Yeah, yeah, they signed a lot of good players. And they played a certain way. I don't feel like Norwich are doing that. So if if Norwich, uh, if and when they go down, and they stockpile a bunch of cash, and then they make enough adjustments for the third time round, and they actually have a sustainable team, they go, right, this is the year that we can stay up because we've amassed a good enough team. We've got enough money in the coffers to buy a few more players. So you feel essentially that's almost cheating because they're gaming the system by going up and down and, and collecting enough money over a period well, of time. Well, sort of. I, my understanding of parachute payments is, though, that they don't get the full amount if they come straight back up again anyway. So they don't get right. that amount every single time because that, that would they, be the most lucrative club in the world. Still, but they don't get the second year. They don't get the second year payment, surely. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah right. Because yeah. they're... They haven't parachuted because they're down. no longer they, they're they're no back down. up. But um, yeah, I mean, but what, they obviously but still, are still making more money than any club in the championship. Even cha- of course they are. Yeah, but my point is more that it's not. It's not necessarily about the spending more money and bringing more players in, and therefore 
gambling with the future of your club financially. It's more that the teams we've seen come up recently, Brentford, for example, this season, and Leeds before, and Sheffield United before, they didn't add huge names to those teams. Okay, Leeds brought in Rafinha, but generally it was it was players from the championship that Bielsa kept. Same with this season um, with Thomas Frank at Brentford. Same when it was Chris Wilder at Sheffield United. It's about systems and trying something. Let's see how... The, I'll, I'll, well, let's take those three examples. Leeds, second season, hasn't added to them. Absolutely on their arse. Brentford, first yep, season, right, agree. In the coast, right in the coast of a wave. Let's judge them. Sheffield United season. went down. Sheffield United, right. on their arse. I think um, Norwich... Norwich are one of the best run clubs and I, I know that that's of little consolation at this moment in time but if they do say right let's break the bank for a couple of crackers and add and a couple of those signings come good there's still plenty of time to do it and I think coming back to the original point that you still backing getting, them you still backing them grits no I'm saying that they could make this interesting <laughs> in the same way that Fulham did but you know they signed some yeah. really key players that changed the shape of the team completely and that's that's exactly what they could do Listen, I'm largely being facetious here, as you know. Um, it's just a frustration from a lot of other championship, championship clubs, including Derby County, uh, that we can't get near. Wait, a, a, a Derby championship club? Not for long, baby. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, that game against Leeds this weekend is on Sunday. It should be a good one. Um, good luck to everyone and everything. Uh, that's what we've got time for <laughs> this week on Whistleblowers. Gareth, what you got to plug for us this week? Uh, huge show, Halloween show at the Roundhouse in London with the band Snapped Ankles. It's a must-see, top of your timeout listings, genuinely. And they're also on tour around the UK, so uh, check them out if you want some uh, amazing live madness. Brilliant. Great, so you got any more commentaries this week? Um, I am. Oh, I did Wilston away with Grimsby, which was an interesting one. There's a perfect example of a team that would begging for a win against the top of the league team. So Grimsby came unstuck there, but I'm doing them at older shot. Uh, in about 10 days I will probably be back on this next week so I can let I can bore everyone with it then oh yeah please do right that's all we've got time for we'll see you uh, next week Gareth and Martin thanks at home for listening uh, we'll be back same time same place with the whistleblowers if you want to advertise on or sponsor this show check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs> 